All righty, that worship was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah. Holy Ghost, yeah. Yeah, church is no good without the Holy Spirit, right? I stand on that. Yeah, I'm going to just look for a minute and see who's not here. (laughs) Actually, uh, I want to tell you this little quick story to introduce our guest speaker this morning. This is is back in the 1970s, so it's kind of an old thing. But I was uh, in church, and I was a very young believer, and I was not doing well in my spiritual life. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere, and you know, except the world. I kind of felt like I fit in the world, and I was trying to be, become a believer. And, uh, and so I was praying like during the worship time, and I was saying, Oh, God, I just need reality. That's just what I need. I just need reality. And I opened my eyes. When I opened my eyes, I was looking down at the seat in front of me, and there was a book, uh, and the name of the book was Reality, The Hope of Glory. And it was by a man named Art Katz. Some of you people might know Mr. Katz. Yeah. Well, anyways, that was a major, you know, thing for me. I read the book, and it was like somebody sticking a knife in my heart (laughs) and twisting it. But it was like a turning point for me. I made some, you know, pretty significant decisions about what I was going to, the direction I was going to take with my life. And so, and the reason I said that is our guest speaker was a part of uh, the ministry under Art Katz. Uh, and he was a prophetic person, obviously. Uh, and then uh, Scott became, Scott was involved with the Brownsville Revival with Michael Brown, helping to start the Revival, uh, Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. Then they moved to Concord and started Fire School, and Scott became the pastor of Fire School until they fired him recently. <laughs> no, they didn't fire him. <laughs> They're sad he's not the pastor anymore, but I think they might love their new pastor. But anyways, he pastored that church for several years. Y'all loosen up. <laughs> he pastored that church for several years, but he felt a calling to do something different. And that's where he needs to explain that part. But he has an amazing ministry to Israel, uh, in Israel. Uh, and he's just an amazing guy. And I, you know, he's uh, has some... A lot of people that I completely admire and respect have really just have nothing but glowing things. And I've been wanting to get him here for a long time, actually. And, of course, the COVID thing kind of messed it up. But So we, we want to welcome it's Scott Volk, V-O-L-K. We want to welcome him. I think it's very timely him being here today yeah. in terms of what's going on in Israel right now. And so I really need the Lord... Even though I wanted him sooner, God had him for today. So come on up here, Scott, and you can. Uh, I don't typically get, like, wrecked during worship. I'm not joking. I mean, I'm not, like, this emotional dude. But just standing up here and um, sensing the presence of the Lord in this place as we worshiped, and then the testimonies of people being revived from the dead only confirms what I sent Byron yesterday, that the title of my message was going to be the God who gives life to the dead. So... I'm sitting, I'm sitting over here and like tears are coming out of my eyes. I'm blown away. Scott watching and the, the soccer dude. I'm, I mean, 
You've got life in you for a reason. But but I just want to say thank you. Thank you for hosting the presence of the Lord because he's looking he's looking for places to go <laughs> where man won't be glorified but he will. And uh I don't know how many of you know this but uh in the book of Leviticus it actually talks about appointed times. Familiar with that word appointed times? Times where God makes appointments with his people. Like if you have a lunch appointment today and it's written in your calendar, you're you know, you need to be there. God makes appointments with his people. And today, today is one of his appointments. You're like, Scott, what are you talking about? Well, in the book of Leviticus, it talks about what happens 50 days after Passover, which is tonight. 50 days after Passover is the feast of Pentecost. So do you know what happened 2,000 years ago tonight? The Holy Spirit falls on the believers who were gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. By the way, Pentecost didn't didn't happen 2,000 years ago. It happened 3,500 years ago when God made an appointment saying 50 days after Passover, something significant is going to happen. 50 days after Passover, the children of Israel received the law on Mount Sinai. 50 days after Passover, the followers of Jesus Yeshua received the Holy Spirit. And today is that day. Look, I I love Mother's Day and I love Father's Day. I love birthdays, but none of those things are in the Bible and we celebrate them. Well, we ought to look as much forward to the day of Pentecost as we do our own birthdays. Well, I don't look forward to my birthday anymore. I used to like 35 years ago. Anyway, it's just, Byron, thank you, and Becky, wherever you are. This is, I feel like I'm home. Like, I don't, I don't want to leave. You might be stuck with me. Uh, but um, I just, I feel like I walked into home. Stuart Gittleman, uh, how many of you know Stuart Gittleman? Do you, do you know how long I've known Stuart Gittleman? How long, Stuart? Fifty years! Actually, 47 years, and I know you're going, Scott, you don't even look 47. Thank you. (laughs) Stuart does, though. (laughs) My parents, I I was raised in a Jewish home. My dad was an Orthodox Jew. My mom was a conservative Jew. By the way, I just just did my, um, uh, yes, but Ancestry.com. Because I wanted to find out, like, okay, like where my family comes from. When I got it back... I, it said 100% Jew, which is kind of crazy, which means nobody in my bloodline married outside of Jewish DNA, which is kind of crazy, until I came along. I married an Arab. Come on. I mean, if you're going to marry outside of your DNA, go big, right? Beth, would you just, just stand up really quickly? This is my wife, Beth. So... <clears throat> I don't know that God, I don't know that, well, here's, here's what I do know. We have, we have kids, we have five kids, and our kids have a little bit of Ishmael and a little bit of Isaac in them. So uh, it's, and, and we love each other. Come on, isn't that what the Lord's wanting to do? Seeing Jew and Arab come together? 
God's all about unity, and it has nothing to do with ecumenical unity, but unity to know that uh, Hispanic and Asian and white and black and Jew and Arab, we're all precious in his sight. That God loves the nations of the world. Everybody say nations. Nations. Nations, That word Gentile in the Bible means nations. For God so loved the nations that he sent his son. He didn't send his son because he loved Jewish people more than anybody else. He sent his son because he loved the nation so that none of us would perish. But he chose a nation through whom that savior would come. That nation is Israel. And it's amazing how he chose Israel. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. But I'm not talking about it because I'm I'm Jewish. I'm talking about it because I feel like God wants to encourage you that he's the God who gives life to the dead. Because when God chooses, he doesn't choose like man chooses. If I'm, if I'm choosing a football team, you're my first guy right here. <laughs> and, and, and I wouldn't choose you. <laughs> but, but give me every big muscular dude in the room. That's who I'm choosing. You know who God chooses for his team? The lowly, the despised, the people who are overlooked. That's, I think, one reason why he chose Israel. Because they, didn't have, they weren't the greatest. As a matter of fact, they were the least And God is looking for people to entrust that won't take glory on themselves. I mean, if I if I looked like you and I bench pressed 250 pounds, uh, I could say, "Well, look what I did." But if I was like one of the kids standing up here this morning, the little girl over here, can you imagine her bench pressing 250 pounds? She can't go. Look what I did. You can say, "Look what God did." And that's what he wants us to say about Israel. And that's what he wants us to say about your lives as well. We believe in God who gives life to the dead. I want you to stand with me. I want to start with a proclamation this morning that I sent. And if you have it on the screen, it's right out of the book of Romans chapter 4. And I want to repeat it together. Um, And uh, that's, I'm sorry, the very, very first thing, but... That's okay if you have that up there, but I want you to repeat after me, okay? This is right out of Romans 4. We believe in God God who gives life to the dead dead. and speaks into being being that which does not exist. That's That's pretty cool, isn't it? Let's say it again. We believe in God God who gives life to the dead and speaks into being that which does not exist. Father, today, even as you've prepared us so far with these testimonies of dead men breathing again, Lord, I pray that you would remind us that what the world calls dead, Lord, you can look at and breathe your life into it. Lord, that's what you did with the dust of the earth. Do you know that? Do you know what you were? You were dust. You can't get more dead than dust. And God looks at dust and he sees potential in it. We sweep it away and he breathes life into it. God, we thank you that you're the God who gives life to the dead. So today may that that life-giving God be present here. Lord, may our lives be affected and changed for eternity. And may you be glorified. 
In the name of Jesus, our King, amen. You may be seated. I'm just going to start with the scripture. This scripture is in Isaiah 51. And you guys who are doing the notes, thank you so much for doing that. But I may jump around a little bit, so forgive me. And if you don't have them up there, it doesn't bother me at all. But this is a scripture I walked in with this morning that I did not give to Byron. Isaiah chapter 51. Let's start there this morning. By the way, this, this is, Israel is in exile when this is written. They were promised a land, and they were in ex- exile in Babylon. And this is being written, Isaiah 51 is being written to the faithful children of Israel who believe in the God who gives life to the dead, but are not living in the promise that he gave. You ever, you ever experienced that where God gives you a promise and it seems like every natural circumstance is exactly opposite of the promise he gave you? That's who this is written to. Isaiah 51. Listen to me. <laughs> That's the Bible, not, not me saying that. <laughs> Listen to me. You who pursue righteousness... You who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. And here's the key right here. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth in pain. When he was but one, I called him. What? God didn't choose the nation because it was huge. He chose Abraham because he was one. And I want to flip over to Genesis chapter 12. He's about to give Abraham this promise. You all know the promise. He's about to give him the promise. Abraham, go to a land which I will show you. I will make you a great nation, right? From you, all the nations, by the way, nations there doesn't just mean Israel. Nations means nations. Through you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You see, the Lord was looking for someone who would carry the Messiah. In the garden, when Adam and Eve fell, the Lord prophesied over the serpent that one was going to come that would crush his head. And God was looking for a people that he may send that one through. So he chooses Abraham. Abraham. And he's one. And Abraham is going to birth a nation. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. As a matter of fact, if you look at the first verse in the book, uh, uh, in the book of Matthew, it says this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So look to Abraham, God says, to those who are experiencing circumstances that are different than that which God has promised, but you're hanging on to the Lord. Look to Abraham. So I want to look to Abraham this morning. Can we do that? 
before the promise is given to Abram, whose name hadn't been changed yet, I want you to look at Genesis 11, verse 29. It says this. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Ishka. Verse 30. Now Sarai was barren. She had no children. Wait, stop right there. God's about to give Abram a promise that he was going to be a great nation, that all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. And as he's choosing a wife, he chooses one that can bear no children. She is barren. Barrenness is the inability to bear children. Your womb is dead. We believe in God who gives life to the... Oh, (laughs) it's the pattern of scripture. It was the pattern of creation. The earth was formless and void. And God speaks. I was on the phone last night. I did a video call with a man in southern Israel. And the reason I called him was because I saw a video online of his wife hearing the sounds of the siren. She turned on her iPhone and she's running to or walking quickly to her uh, bunker, her, her bomb shelter. And I showed it to Beth. I'm like, what did these people? This is actually happening. While, while we're even gathered here right now, there are people running for their lives in Israel. So I, I FaceTime this guy. He's been in Israel for decades kind of like a father figure in the land, Jewish believer. His name's Avner. Some of you may know him, Avner Bosky. I'm FaceTiming him, and before we hang up, he goes, Scotty, I want to show you something, and he shows me me his shirt, and it says, Ruach, spirit. Spirit, that here are people. Isaiah 51, you who fear the Lord. (laughs) Think about Abraham. God's spirit breathes on creation and the earth is formed. Now Abraham's about to marry a woman who can bear no children. Do you think God's up in heaven going, oh, dude, no, no, no. Don't marry her. Marry a fertile woman. Because I'm about to give you a promise that through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I can't have you marrying someone who can't bear children and What God really says is, I need you to marry someone who can't bear children. Because I'm the God who gives life to the dead. I'm the God that speaks into being that which does not exist. So God wasn't freaking out. I mean, if I was God, I would point Abraham or Abram in the other direction. By the way, do anybody know what Abram means? Before God changed his name to Abraham... His name was Abram. Does anybody know what Abram means? Exalted father. Abram's name 
means exalted father, which means he carried a name almost his entire lifetime that was contradictory to his reality. That would be like calling me hairy one. <laughs> Is it, uh, yeah, of course you're laughing. You're, Scott, you're not hairy. Well, I, that's what my mom named me, hairy one. I'm so sorry. No. Can you imagine? Abram, somebody knocking on his door. Hey, exalted father. Where are your children? Listen to me, you who fear the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah, who gave you birth. Because right now, you're in Babylon. You're in exile. You don't see the promise. You don't know how things can actually work out. And in the same way that I made Abram into a nation, so I will bring you out of your Babylonian captivity into the land of promise. If it's true for Israel, friends, it's true for you. Some of you may be living with promises now that actually contradict your reality. And the whole flow of the service before I got up here was talking about that very thing. Isaiah 51. Look to Abraham. So my first point is this. God begins with barrenness. God begins with death. It's, it's actually, think about this. Your salvation is based on believing in the God who gives life to the dead. What does it say? It says in Romans 10 about being saved. If you confess with your mouth, and be, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. Yeah. Believing that God raises the dead is the foundation of salvation. And God wants you to know today, if you're not believing in his resurrection power, there is more to salvation that you need to be experiencing. Because the reality is not that dust is worthless. The reality is that dust holds potential for those who see with the eyes of the spirit. That Abram holds potential and Sarai holds potential. God begins with barrenness. Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and your relatives to your father's house to the land that I will show you. By the way, in my Bible, every time God says I will, I circle it. Because when God says I will, he means it. Unlike many of us who say I will, and then because we're not feeling like it, or because someone ticks us off, we don't. Not God. When he makes a covenant, when he makes a promise, he keeps it to a thousand generations. Not dependent on your ability, but on his ability. I will make you a great nation, verse 2. I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse. And in you, Abram, all the family just Israel, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You, you know, this is very, very important. It's, it's in, there's a book in the back entitled, Jesus Was Not a Christian. And I talk about life from the dead in there. Here's the deal. 
God needed one. He needed to choose one for an entire world to be saved. It doesn't mean that Abram is better than anybody else. It just means that God chose him. Do you want to know why there's so much controversy over Israel right now? Simple. God chose it. That's it. God chose it. And anything that God chooses is going to be in the crosshairs of God's adversaries. Because when God chooses something, his reputation depends on it. Therefore, his enemies would love to make people think that he's not really the God who gives life to the dead. That's why there's controversy in Israel. Look at this. Verse 4. Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old. 75. Anybody in here 75 still childless, but um, or, or childless at 75 and had a baby since? <laughs> Never asked that question. I'm actually glad nobody raised their hands. Because <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. I might not ask that question again, ever. But I was 44. Beth and I had all of our kids. We got married. We were 23. And we decided that we were going to have all of our kids before we were 30. So we had four kids, boom, 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 within five and a half years. It was kind of crazy. We did it. We were 30. We were done. When I was 44... And my youngest was 14. Beth said, honey, I think I'm pregnant. And I was like, no. (laughs) We're 44. That doesn't happen. Well, it happened. Olivia today is 11 years old. The the joy of our life. But 44-year-old men don't have babies. I took her to the daddy-daughter dance at her school. Well, maybe they do. I took her to the daddy-daughter dance at the school, and one of her friends came up and said, oh, is that your grandpa? (laughs) I backhanded that kid. I thought I was done having kids. Abram is 75, married to a woman who cannot have children, but God said, I will. I will. Flip over to Genesis chapter 15. Abram is now 83 years old. Why am I doing this? Isaiah 51. Look, I want to encourage you. Look to the rock from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who gave you birth. When I called him, he was but one. Genesis 15. Abram is now 83. Everybody say 83. 83. (laughs) After these things... The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Well, you can imagine. I don't know exactly when God gave that promise to Abram, but he was 75 years old when he left. So it was at least eight years. But he still had lived his whole life without the reality of his name in his destiny. Now he's 83. Verse 2, Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me since I am childless? 
And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. In other words, here's what Abram is doing. He's saying, God, listen, let me give you some advice. I'm 83. Eliezer would be a great heir and the one for whom the promise would come. So rather than me and Sarai, my wife who cannot bear children, let Eliezer be the heir. Sounds like a a good plan B. Very good, Larry. By the way, Larry, Larry and I lived in the same area in northern Minnesota. Isn't that crazy, Larry? That's crazy. Larry went to Bemidji State University, but it was Bemidji State College because he went a while ago before they changed it to a university. And you, when did you move away in 1970? 1977. We moved there to the same area in 1976. My father was the leader of an organization called Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship in Bemidji. And Larry knew my dad. How crazy is that? So thank you, Larry. It would be a good plan B for Eliezer to be the heir. After all, he's young. His wife can have kids. Look what God says. Abram said, verse 3, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house (coughs) will be my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir. Then I underlined this, but one will come forth from your own 83-year-old body. And then God takes him outside. He said, look at, the, look at the heavens, count the stars. If you're able to count them, he says, so shall your descendants be. God, what are you talking about? Have you lost your marbles? We do this a lot with the Lord. We actually do. When our promises don't come to pass, we actually dummy down what his promises are. Well, maybe, you know, God spoke to me this when I was in college, but I think I'm, this is really what he intended. Friends, don't let go of God's promise in your life. Don't change the narrative because he hasn't come through yet. Look to Abraham when he was but one I called him. You know, I, I'm, whenever I talk about Eliezer, I, I think of um, fasting. <laughs> I'm a lousy faster. I don't fast well. I say to myself, fasting implies doing something quickly, so my fasts are very quick. I fast fast. <laughs> I remember we were living in Arizona. And I woke up one morning and I said, Beth, and, and I, I meant it. I said, I feel like the Lord's calling me to fast. And she says, okay, what kind of fast? Well, what are you, what are you fasting? I said, no, just water fast. How long? I said, I don't know, till he tells me not to. <laughs> so about lunchtime, <laughs> The juice in the refrigerator looked great. So I said, honey, I'm fasting, but I think it's a juice fast. Dinner time, it became a Daniel fast. 
That's, that's what I, it's, it's like, okay, yes, I'm still, I'm still kind of doing. No, 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 friends. I mean, that's a true story. But if he calls you to do something, do it. And if you don't feel like you can make it, you trust in the God who called you because he's the God who gives life to the dead. Who are you believing? What are we believing? Are we believing with what we see with our own natural eyes? If so, Israel is done. Look at the nations that are turning against them. Just go on social media. My kids are involved in, in some social media circles with people that are termed influencers. You know what an influencer is? I guess if you have a certain number of followers on Instagram or Facebook, get this little blue check. You're verified. You're important. You got, you got these verified people talking about Israel now. They don't know anything about it. And they're, they're poisoning all of their followers who then post what they're posting. If you, if you judged by social media what's going on in Israel now, they're done. They're done. If you judge by the world's opinion, Abraham at 83, he's done. Abe, just drop the promise stuff, dude. You probably had too much camel milk last night. <laughs> I've never said that before. God, the, the freedom of the Lord here. That's actually disgusting. Do you drink, is, do you drink camel milk? You've drank camel milk? Wow. Do you get, do you get drunk on camel milk? <laughs> you look so young and beautiful. Everybody should be drinking camel milk. Whatever it was that Abraham was thinking at 83... It's like Abraham. You're 83. Just give it up already. I've been around people who felt like they were called to the nations. I remember one family specifically, Simon, who works with our ministry back there. What was the family? The Lees. 20 years, they've been hanging on to the promise that God was going to call them to England, the United Kingdom. And they were hanging on to it. And whenever anybody would ask them, what are you doing? Well, the Lord spoke to us that we're going to the United Kingdom and we're going to serve as missionaries there. Well, after 20 years, they're not there. You would think that they would let it go. You would think that maybe they misheard from God. But I loved, what I loved about them was they were, they were on it every time they were asked. The Lord's called us to the UK. He's going to make a way. And I remember the day that they packed their stuff up and went over to Wales to serve there. I happened to be speaking at a conference there four or five months after they moved there. And I flew over there and I saw them and like with tears, they were like, God answered our prayers. What if you give up on the promise and it's right around the corner? Don't forget the Eliezer solution. Good solution in man's eyes, but not God's solution. All right, where are we going to next? Genesis 16. Why am I doing this? I I just want to look to Abraham. Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. By the way, he's 85. That means she's 75. She's 75, which means 
She's gone through menopause. Okay, you're laughing. <laughs> Things are changing. She's done. I mean, she's not done as a woman, but she's done with life in her womb. Right? Menopause just simply means there's nothing left that's going to produce life in you. You're, you're, you're done. You've got a certain number of eggs. Yes, I know. I was just trying to think of a, a more scientific way of saying it. But since I said camel's milk, eggs. You got a gazillion eggs and you're down to none. You're done. So now, now she's 70, she's 75. Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. And it's interesting that she says it that way because I agree with her. The Lord opens the womb, does he not? The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. Abram, listen to the voice of Sarai. (sighs) It's never a bad idea to listen to your wife. But it's always a bad idea to listen to counsel that tries to get you to do things in your own power and your own strength. You can stand at the Western Wall today, which I've done dozens and dozens of times, and you can see Jewish men and women praying to the God of Israel, and through the loudspeakers, you hear people praying to the God of Islam. Now, here's the cool thing about Ishmael. And I want to encourage you with this. Don't hate Ishmael. Do you know that Ishmael is the first person ever in the Bible pre-named by God himself? Do you know that? Do you know that even in the futileness of man trying to produce something in his own strength, God wanted something produced that would glorify him? Do you know God chose Ishmael with a promise, actually? God does not hate Ishmael. Do you know that there are Muslims that are being awakened in the middle of the night, seeing Jesus, Yeshua, at the foot of their beds? It's happening now. God's moving in the Muslim nations. I wouldn't be so surprised if the sons of Ishmael were not going to be used very, very significantly in the salvation of Israel. When Abram, when Abraham dies, it's not Isaac who, who buries him. It's Isaac and Ishmael. When I look at my kids, it's Isaac and Ishmael. Living harmoniously in a house. We don't have, Beth and I don't have borders in our house. <laughs> Beth, you can go here, but don't cross this line. Because you're not Jewish. Can I just tell you something? There's no neighborhoods in heaven. None. No. Well, where are you moving? Well, I'm moving to the Hispanic part of town. I'm moving to the Asian quarter. When you, when you go to Jerusalem right now, that city is actually cut in quarters. Do you know that? There's a Jewish quarter. There's a Muslim quarter. There's a Christian quarter, but all that Christian means is 
Arabs that don't, uh, that aren't Muslim. What's the fourth quarter? Armenian quarter. That's not the new Jerusalem. That's today. Where people decide. Unfortunately, unfortunately, when we try to birth things in our own strength, we produce things that are actually in contradiction to the promises of God. But even then, God can use them. But friends, avoid, avoid the Hagar solution. Avoid trying to get your promises in your own strength. It won't fly. Genesis uh, 17. You guys okay? Yeah. Going to bring this in for a close, a landing soon. <laughs> Genesis 17. Now, when Abram was 99, yeah, say 99. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, verse 1, I'm God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will, everybody say, I will. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face. God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you will be a father of multitudes of nations. Wait a second. He's not even the father of one yet. You see what God does? He speaks destiny into those who who look to him. He doesn't see your current circumstances as the end of the story. He speaks life. We believe in God who gives life to the dead and speaks into being that which does not exist. Friends, if you've got promises from God that you can fulfill yourself, I'm just telling you they're not from God. They're not. God's not going to give you a promise that you can fulfill yourselves. No longer shall your name be called Abram, which means exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham, which means father of multitudes. God changed this boy's name into something even more ridiculous than the name his mother gave him. I mean, really? He changes his name, and then look at verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you all the land of the sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting covenant, and I will be their God. Friends, when I look at Israel right now, Yahweh isn't their God. It's called the Holy Land, but it's not that holy. Israel rejected their king. And do you know that this 3,500-year-old promise, or more, maybe 4,000, 4,500, I don't even know how many thousands of years ago this promise was made, and it's still not true? 
That's why people write off Israel. Oh, God's, God's, God loved Israel. He, he gave them a promise, but they rejected him. Now all of his promises belong to the church. It's a subtle thing that creeps in. And unfortunately, it's been the church through the ages that has been the prime persecutor of Jewish people. Oh, Scott, that, that they weren't the true church. Well, they might not have been the true church, but they were wearing crosses on their neck. They were going to church on Sunday, incinerating Jews on Monday, burning them in their, in their synagogues during the, the uh, crusades. As crusaders marched into Jerusalem, you know what was on their shields? A cross. Around their neck, on their shields, the cross. We're going to kill the Christ killers. We're going to get rid of them. We're going to get rid of the Muslim infidels, and we're going to get rid of the Christ killers. Locking them in synagogues, burning it down while singing a Christian hymn. So to a Jewish person, this thing called Christianity is aberrant. It's it's, it's false. But there are churches that are writing Israel off. Don't buy anything from Israel. Don't support Israel. Don't do this. Israel rejected Jesus. But there's a remnant of people who are standing and believing that God gives life to the dead. Do you know what Romans 11 says? When all Israel gets saved, it will be as life from the dead. How cool is that? Abraham's 99. Flip over to Genesis 18, verse 9. Genesis 18, one of my, my, one of my favorite chapters. I really want you to pray for me because I'm actually leaving after the service today for Kansas City, Missouri. Where I will be until Wednesday night. Been commissioned by the Lord to write a book on hospitality. Now, hospitality, just as a word... It's like, oh, that's for, that's for ladies. But can I just tell you? Oh, you don't even have to buy the book now. I'm just going to tell you what it is. Everywhere you see hospitality in the Bible, the result is life. Everywhere. We're about to go over the story. Abraham and three visitors. Abraham's 99. He's living in the middle of the desert. It's the heat of day. And he takes care of these three guys that he's never seen before. Lot, in the very next chapter, takes takes in a couple of angels, but he didn't know they were angels. Angels don't show up with wings. Rahab, the harlot? She's a prostitute. Written about in Hebrews chapter 11 because she showed hospitality to two guys she's never met before. When we show hospitality, we open the door for life and the kingdom. The Shunammite woman, barren womb, open. Oh, that's, another, that's another sermon. Another time. Verse 9. So these three guys show up. Abram, Abraham now, and Sarah, whose name was changed also, 99 and 89, serve them lunch. Verse 9. They said to him, where's Sarah, your wife? He said, there in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Impossible. Yes. No. Yes, if we think like this, 
know if we think like kingdom thinkers. Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and Sarah was beyond the age of bearing children. We talked about that already. So listen, you've got dead Abraham. Well, he was breathing, but he was 99. Romans chapter 4 says his body was as good as dead. That's what it says. And we'll read that in a second and close. Sarah, who is 89, thank you, 89, her womb is dead. She was barren, and now she's beyond the age of bearing children. And then God says, this time next year. So you got Mr. Dead, <laughs> and you got Mr. Mrs. Dead, and you've got the Lord who comes in, the God who gives life to the dead and says, this time next year. And you know what the Bible says? Flip over to Genesis 21. We're almost done. You guys okay? I got two more. Can I get two more minutes? Okay, Genesis 21. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time. Friends, there's an appointed time for God to fulfill his promises to you. Today is an appointed time. Today's the day of Pentecost. Tonight it starts on the Hebrew calendar. Yes, the churches in the world celebrate it next Sunday. But can I tell you, tonight marks 50 days since the Passover. Tonight marks the 24-hour period where the Lord's Spirit came down suddenly in Israel and transformed men who understood the Scriptures into men and women who walked with the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me, please? I believe. I believe that this service started, (laughs) and it's probably not supposed to end when we all leave. I'm not saying it needs to go on all day. I'm saying don't leave and walk out and go on to the next thing. I'm saying hang on to this word. God is a God who gives life to the dead. If Abraham and Sarah can conceive. Oh, by the way, God calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know what all Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had in common? They had wives who could bear no children. They were married to barren women. So when you look at the genealogy of Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, he comes through the barren wombs of the patriarchs and matriarchs of Israel. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what God calls himself. All of them had wives with dead wombs. And Jesus' birth through that. Friends, what can't God do for you? I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you look down on this precious gathering of people. Lord, just being here today has breathed life into me. So, Lord, I pray for life, the life of God, into Scott and everyone like him in this room. (laughs) In Jesus' name, may you be glorified. Men and women who are hanging on to promises, 
who think that their time is over and God's forgotten about them. Lord, I pray may life be infused. Lord, no more Eliezer solution. No more Hagar solution. Father, we want to do things your way. Lord, we want to see you move through dead men and women. Lord, so that your life can radiate, can radiate. Lord, you are faithful. You know what? Can we just sing this as a proclamation? Just sing it. I don't even know. Yeah, just sing it out. Sing it out. Jesus. Oh, I will see. Yeah. All the goodness of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love your voice. Let's just sing this. Is this okay, Pastor? Okay, sing it out. You have led me through the fire in my darkest night. If we have the words and can put them on the screen, that'd be great. I've known you as a father. Known you as a friend. I've known you as a friend. I will sing. Oh, I have Jesus. In the goodness. Thank you, Lord. Faithful God, we hold on to your promises. We trust you. We trust you when we don't see an answer. We trust you, Lord, when the promise doesn't come in line with where we are right now. You're a good God who answers from heaven. Thank you, Lord. special moment. Just receive from the Lord right now. Let's just take a moment. Let the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do in our hearts. Because He really does want to release yeah, life. Mm. Mm.